morning, for those of you, I know, I think everyone here probably knows who I am, but I know there might be some people watching out there who don't know me because I'm normally not up here. Uh, my name is Kyle Kaufman. I'm the youth pastor here at Keystone. And to start out this morning, I wanted to introduce you to the seventh grade version of myself. Seventh grade Kyle, uh, I think I have a picture. Yep, you can't see it super well because it's grainy. We didn't have good cameras back then. Uh, but you can see I had a nice haircut, uh, an armband on. I thought about repeating that this morning, putting that on. Uh, but this is seventh grade Kyle. And seventh grade Kyle loved sports, especially basketball at this time. Uh, and as a sixth grader, I decided I'm going to try out for the basketball team. Kind of last minute decided I'm going to try out. And I ended up getting cut during tryouts. But no big deal. I was a sixth grader. A lot of sixth graders get cut. And everyone knows uh, Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team at one point, right? I just beat him to the punch and got cut in middle school. So I figured I'm on the right path at this point. Uh, I worked hard during the next year. I was determined. Uh, I practiced. And by all accounts, I got a lot better between sixth grade and seventh grade year. So seventh grade year rolls around, basketball tryouts. And I think I'm a, I've got my sights set high. I'm not only going to make the team, I'm going to be one of the starting five on the team. So everything's going well. Uh, I make the team uh, until the first game rolls around. And the spot that I thought I should be starting in, instead, I found out a sixth grader was going to be starting. A sixth grader? Are you, you kidding me? Like, I, I deserve this. I put in the time. I put in the work. Uh, I'm a year older. I deserve better than this, and he deserves worse than this. Like, I can still remember how it just welled up within me. I deserve better. And while I no longer really care about basketball, uh, there's so many times where that feeling still wells up kind of within me that I think and feel I deserve better than this. Whether it's uh, that I don't get what I was planning to do for an evening or a weekend. I deserve better. I should have got to do the things I wanted to do. Uh, whether I don't get some recognition or honor that I think I deserve. Uh, whether I don't get that quiet morning and it's interrupted and loud and I think I deserve better. Maybe I don't get the, the vacation, the position, or just the life circumstance I want, and there's this thing that wells up saying, I deserve better than this. And I think we're all prone to think and feel that way at times. That all of us are prone to think and feel at times, for whatever reason it is, I deserve better. And Luke would show us this morning as we look back again on, at Christ on the cross, that Jesus went through the exact same thing because he did deserve better and that ultimately the cross has a lot to say to us about what we do and don't deserve. And I think in a time where maybe we're losing a lot of things that perhaps we even feel like we deserve, maybe we lose a vacation, we lose a graduation, we lose a sports season or multiple sports seasons. A job gets cut back or we lose a job. We lose the uncertainty of being able to plan for the future. We, we maybe are not even sure how this school year is going to go. And on and on we go. Things that maybe we're losing and we feel like, I deserve this, I deserve better. That maybe it's a really good time for us to look back at the cross and from that vantage point ask, what do I deserve? And how does the cross teach me to think and feel about that. 
Because the, this morning, the, the big idea I want us to see as we look at Luke, thir- or Luke 23, 35 through 43 is just simply, the cross should shape how we think and feel about what we deserve. The cross should shape how we think and feel about what we deserve. And really what we're going to be doing when we look at the passage is simply asking, how? How should the cross shape how I think and feel about what I deserve? So let's read in Luke 23, uh, and then we'll attempt to answer that question of how this morning. Starting in verse 35. Uh, If you remember from last week, we ended right where Jesus prays, Father, forgive them. Forgive the people who are crucifying me. Forgive all these people, for they know not what they're doing. And we pick back up right after that this morning. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging behind, beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing, hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Father God, we know that you are the one who reveals yourself throughout scripture, starting with Moses, as a God who is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And God, never is that more clearly displayed for us to see and to be transformed by than when we look at the cross and see Jesus taking our place. I pray that as we we look back at this again this morning, that your spirit would work, would move, would speak to transform how we think and feel about what we deserve and that we would leave uh, changed by encountering Christ and seeing how he responded on the cross. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the, the first thing I said, I want to answer that question. How should the cross shape how we think and feel about what we deserve? And I think the, the first thing we can see in this passage is that the cross teaches us how to respond when we don't get what we deserve. The cross teaches us how to respond when we don't get what we deserve. Because first of all, if we'll look at this, we right away realize Jesus didn't get what he deserved. That's something I think Luke especially tries to drive home because over and over again, he's communicating this guy was innocent and yet he died on a cross. But we see it especially in these verses that we looked at, 35 through 39, the first part. Because if we think about it, Jesus deserved praise and honor, but he received insults. Here's the one who created the world and the one who came to save the world being mocked by those he came to save as they kill him. He deserved praise and got insults. Not only that, but he deserved luxury and he got agony. The Roman soldiers join in uh, taunting him, mocking him. And their point is, you say you're a king? Well, kings should be in banqueting halls, feasting, drinking wine. Here, here's some sour wine. Why don't you have this? 
as he is on the cross in pain. They're essentially saying, what, what kind of king are you? You're stuck on a cross. Now, let, let's just stop there. And if we can, for a moment, slide ourselves into Jesus' position and think. How would you respond if in your, wor- in your moment of worst pain, physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, you looked around and instead of finding comfort and support, you found hatred and anger. Maybe think about this a little more personal helps. Uh, ladies in here who have given birth, how would you feel if while you're giving birth and you're in the midst of a contraction, your husband starts to make fun of you? I don't think it would go over well at all. And yet here's Jesus, far more pain, suffering, agony on a cross, getting mocked to his face. And how does he respond? He doesn't try to grasp onto what he deserves. Rather, he stays put silently. Right? He doesn't, often when we don't get what we deserve, uh, at least for me, I, I lash out thinking that if I lash out, get angry, maybe I'll get it. I I complain, hoping that maybe others will see how much I deserve this. Or I try to prove other people wrong and show, look look at how much I do deserve this. Yet Jesus doesn't lash out, he doesn't complain, and he doesn't try to prove his haters wrong in this instant. He stays put. Why? Well, answer number one comes from the people who are mocking him. You can't do anything about it, Jesus. You're nailed to a cross. You're stuck. You can't save yourself. And yet we know that that's not true. If we look at the whole story of the Bible, Jesus could have just as easily come down off that cross. The nails did not hold him there. He chose to stay there. So why? He chose sacrificial love, saving us rather than getting what he deserved, right? In some ways, it's ironical. The taunt of the Jewish leaders is you can't save both yourself and others. And they're right. In this moment, Jesus cannot save both others and himself. And when he has to choose, He chooses to save others by staying put on the cross. Jesus chose sacrificial love over getting what he deserved. A stronger motivation for Christ was, I'm going to love others sacrificially rather than get what I deserve. Now let's, let's, before we kind of apply that, let's stop and think about something for a minute. I want you to think about how strong the motivation is inside of us to get what we think we deserve how strong the motivation is inside of us when we get wronged or don't get something we deserve to try to reach out and grasp it. Uh, This got kind of driven home to me uh, in April and May. I was watching, some of you probably watched this, I watched uh, the documentary called The Last Dance on Michael Jordan. Some of you watched that. Uh, It settled two things for me. Number one, it settled the Michael Jordan versus LeBron debate, and maybe you could care less, uh, but Michael Jordan is far better. And if you don't believe me, just go watch the documentary. But number two, it settled for me. Michael Jordan was crazy. He was crazy because he took any little slight of someone like claiming he didn't play well or he didn't deserve the honors getting, and he put it on his shoulder and he set out to, I'm going to prove them wrong. There was actually one incident where he was playing the Washington Bullets, not the Wizards at this time, the Bullets. Uh, And he he didn't have a good game, and the player who was supposed to guard had a really good game. And after the game, that player came up to him and sarcastically said, nice game, Mike. Nice game, Mike. Well, it was bad news because they played the Wizards, or the Bullets, sorry, the next night. Michael Jordan tucked that away. The next night, he went off 47 points and held this other guy to 15 points. It's like, nice game, Mike. Okay, let me show you. 
Let me prove you wrong. Don't mind that. Only later do we find out Michael Jordan made that up. The other player didn't even say it. He made this up to put a chip on his shoulder to say, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm like, that guy is crazy. And yet if I stop back and think about it, I'm like, is he really that crazy? Or doesn't he just do, didn't he just take to the extreme what we all tend to do? That when I don't get what I deserve, I try to grasp out, I try to reach out and grasp it and get it. I complain, I lash out, or I, I try to prove others wrong. And in a moment where Jesus had every reason to prove others wrong, to come down off the cross, he chose, I'm going to sacrifice what I deserve for your sake out of love. Maybe Jesus is the one who's actually crazy as we look at the cross. And yet, maybe that's exactly what he calls us to as his followers, to give up what we deserve, to not try to grasp onto it when we don't get it, out of sacrificial love for others. We will all, I'm sure of this, all have opportunities in the next weeks and months where we don't feel like we get something we deserved and it'll be an opportunity to show sacrificial love. Dads, when, when you come home from a long day of work and you have in your mind planned, this is how my evening should go and it doesn't go at all according to plan, is that an opportunity to get what you deserve or to love your family even though you're not getting it? Moms, when that one child is on your last nerve and everything within you wants to scream, I deserve better behavior than this. That's an opportunity to show love to a child who does not deserve it, just as Christ has showed love to you as you don't deserve it. Students, when, when you are back at school or even before school and, and you don't get the position you deserve, the honor you deserve, the recognition you deserve, the attention you deserve, is that an opportunity to complain, lash out, get angry? or to love the person who got it instead. At our jobs, when we feel like we're not getting the attention we deserve, the recognition, the, the things that we feel like we've earned, is that an opportunity to get angry, prove others wrong, or to instead sacrificially love the people who got what we think we deserve? We will all have an opportunity in the coming weeks and months where that feeling wells up, I deserve better, and in that moment to choose, am I gonna grasp onto what I deserve, or am I going to sacrificially love in this moment? Now, please he hear me. I think there are probably times where we, should, uh, we, we shouldn't just get walked over, that there may be times where we should fight for what we deserve. But I'm more just asking, as followers of Christ, is our default reaction to that, I'm going to show sacrificial love, or I'm going to get what I deserve? The cross would show us how to respond when we don't get what we deserve. The second way it should shape how we think and feel about what we deserve uh, is this. That the cross teaches us we actually deserve far worse. The cross teaches us that we actually deserve far worse. Now, you may hear that statement uh, and you may agree or disagree with it. I wanna first of all ask uh, why? Why does the cross teach us that we deserve far worse? And the reason is because the cross would teach us we're no better than those criminals hanging next to him, which is really offensive for us to say and believe. But let's think about it this way. When, when I read through this this morning, where did you picture yourself? Because I would argue often when we read the Bible uh, and there's a story, we subconsciously picture ourselves in that story. And if you're like me, 
here's where you picture yourself when you read that story. I'm one of the bystanders. I, I'm standing, I, I wouldn't be bold enough to like speak out in this moment and risk getting harmed, but surely I'm not making fun of a dying man. And I think when we view the story in that way and ourselves in that way, we miss the punch, the force that the story would want to have on us. One of the most, I think, powerful and convicting lines from the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, are these words. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. Is that true? I think it is. I think it's true. Not only we should see ourselves in the people making fun of Christ, but in the criminals hanging beside him who are making fun of him. And, and we, don't, we instinctively push back against that. But I think if we, we have to feel the weight of how bad we are if we want to feel the weight of how good the cross is. We have to. Have to feel the weight of how bad we are if we want to feel how good the cross is. So that's why. But then the other question, well, what do we deserve? What do we deserve? Uh, we deserve condemnation and judgment. Our words could just as easily be that of what the second criminal said, right? We deserve to die for our crimes. No, we've, we've not rebelled against a Roman government. Maybe you've never rebelled even against the American government. But we've rebelled against an infinitely good God, Romans 1 through 3 would tell us. And because of that, all we deserve is condemnation and judgment, and if God would give us what we deserve, we would be on the cross instead of Christ. And I want us, when that sets in, and we not only like acknowledge that and say, yeah, I deserve, but we feel it within our guts, I deserve far worse, it can transform how we go about this life. It can transform how we think and feel incredibly. I want to give you an example from my own life that really, I think, drives this home for me. Uh, you have to understand, first of all, I don't give this example at all as like a uh, bragging, here's what I got away with, or here's what I was like. I, I give it more so out of kind of shame of this is who I was. Uh, but I give it because I really think it drives home, at least for me, when we see I deserve far worse and yet get far better, it can have an incredible impact on us. So uh, I've gotten four speeding tickets throughout my life. Uh, three of them I was angry, uh, upset, annoyed when I went away, even though I, realistically I knew I deserved that ticket. One of them, I was incredibly happy, even though I think it was the most expensive ticket I got. Why? We have to understand, uh, I was a very different person in high school, and that's, that's putting it mildly. Uh, I was rebellious. I thought I knew better than everyone else. I wanted nothing to do with God, and I thought, I'm going to get whatever I want, however I need to. Uh, and it led not only to conflict with my parents, but conflict with police, uh, and, and I just was determined, I don't want anything to do with God, I'm going to get whatever I want. So, in this case, I got pulled over, uh, and the cop came up to my, or to my window and said words that made my heart drop like 50 feet in a second. So we pulled you over. Uh, we actually have a uh, canine unit, like a dog unit along. We're just going to have him sniff your car just out of precaution to, to see if there's anything. Uh, and in that moment, I did have something illegal in my car, and I knew the dog would find it. Flash forward, I, I remember standing there, like almost shaking outside the car. 
uh, as the officers had this on their hood and, and they're talking and just thinking, this is it. Uh, uh, my life is over. I'm going to get arrested. Like, I, well, what's going to happen? And, and granted, it wasn't quite as bad as I'm painting it out to be, but, but I should have, in that case, got arrested. And I remember one of the officers coming over to me and said, son, this is your lucky day. We're not going to charge you with anything. We're going to give you a ticket, but you're free to go. And I drove away happier than I've been in the longest time because I knew I deserved far worse, and yet I've received far better. For the Christian, every single day of our lives is our lucky day. Or if you don't like that word lucky, our blessed day, or whatever you want to put in there. Because when we stand before a holy God, we know I deserve condemnation and judgment, and anything less is a gift. That's the second takeaway I want to see. By the way, I, I kind of include the takeaways in each point rather than just at the end. Takeaway number two is we should see anything less than judgment and condemnation as a gift that was purchased because Jesus died for us. Think about the good things we get, like the breakfast sandwich you're going to have tomorrow morning, the evening walk you might have, that child you have, uh, the vacation you might have this summer. Everyone, a gift that I don't deserve, you don't deserve. Like Jesus, Jesus is not worshipped when I think I deserve all these good things. He's worshipped when I say I deserve so much worse, and yet because he died for me on the cross, I receive all these good things in this life. Because he died for me on the cross, that's every single gift I get, why I get it. But here, here's the flip side of that. I think this can also change how we view the really difficult things in this life that we think we don't deserve. Now, I, I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over this. I don't want to say this lightly because the reality is there are a lot of really difficult, painful, awful things that we get in this life we don't think we deserve. Sickness, illness, death, broken relationships, you could go on and on. And there are a lot of things that we think we deserve, something we really want that we don't get, a desire that goes unmet year after year after year. A child, a spouse, a job, a whatever else it might be for you. And so I, to say in the face of that, well, you deserve far worse, is, could sound mean and cruel and, and not helpful at all. And so what I actually want to do here is I want to quote a pastor from the 18th century named Jonathan Edwards. And the reason why is because he was, he's far smarter, uh, or he was far smarter than I ever will be. But more importantly, because he knew what it was like to not get what he deserved in this life. He pastored at a church for 23 years faithfully, saw lots of growth and fruit from his ministry, and then after 23 years was fired from his church unfairly by um, a margin of 10 to 1. The majority of the church kicked him out. And two years before that, he buried his 18-year-old daughter when she died from tuberculosis. And so Jonathan Edwards knows what it feels like to not get what he deserves in this life, or what he thinks he deserves. And yet here's some words from him. How far less are the greatest afflictions that we meet in this world than we have deserved? The greatest outward troubles and calamities that we meet with must needs appear very little things to the misery which we have deserved. A man may meet with very great losses, his cattle may die, his corn may be blasted, his barn may be burnt down, and all the goods consumed, and he may be brought from a comfortable living to a poor, low, stricken state. This is very hard to bear, 
But alas, how little reason have such to complain if they do but consider how little this is compared with the eternal destruction that we have been informed of. When we look from the cross, the vantage point of the cross, it can transform how we both view the good and the bad in this life. When we see the far worse we've deserved and yet how Christ took that far worse on him for our sake. And not only does the cross teach us we deserve far worse, but the last thing we see in this passage is the cross teaches us Jesus offers us far better. That's the final point. How should the cross shape how we think and feel about what we deserve? Jesus offers us far better than we ever deserve from the cross. We've got to ask, though, who gets this better? Because remember, there's two thieves on the cross. One of them gets what he deserves in this life, dying on the cross, and then gets what far worse he deserves after he dies. The other gets what he deserves in this life, dying on the cross, and then gets the far better that Christ promises. Both thieves, if you paid attention, they both spoke to Jesus, made a request, and yet Jesus remains silent to the one and makes an incredible promise to the other. So who, who gets this offer far better? The story we teach us, those who realize how bad they are, who repent and call out to Christ for mercy, as the second thief did. And, and we should remember, by the way, this, this other thief, if we read Matthew and Mark's account, he was making fun of Jesus just like an hour or two earlier. He was actually joining in. And yet as he watched Christ suffer, as he heard his prayer, something changed. Something changed, and he called out to Christ for mercy, repented, and he's offered far better. What, it, what is the far better? Well, I love it. He, he asks Jesus, just remember me when you come into your kingdom. Don't forget me. And Jesus, in pain, suffering, turns to him and says, let me tell you what, you're going to be with me in paradise today. Paradise, a word that reaches back to the Garden of Eden, where God created a paradise for us to live with him in and reaches all the way forward to the new heavens and new earth, where there'll be a, another paradise that we don't deserve, where we'll be with Christ, with God. A paradise that is far better than we can imagine, far better than any paradise we experience here and now, that we don't deserve any more than this thief on the cross deserved. Now, wh why does that matter? Well, here, here's the, the third takeaway. Uh, when we see, or since we know the future is far better than we deserve, we don't have to get what we deserve in the present. Since we know the future is far better than we deserved, we don't have to get what we deserve in the present. In 2013, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers began like a four-year process that people from the outside referred to as tanking because they traded away their best players to get as many draft picks as possible, and they made every effort to lose as many games as possible to get the best draft picks that they could. And while people from the outside referred to it as tanking, 76ers fans from the inside referred to it as something else. Maybe you know it. Trust the process. And what's crazy, if you think about it, is Philadelphia fans who normally get, like, really are impatient, get really worked up when we feel like we aren't getting the winning and the championships that we deserve, were all of a sudden willing to endure awful seasons, losing their favorite players, and didn't complain after each loss because that actually meant they got a better draft pick. 
Why? When, when normally they would, why were they willing to go through, give up what they thought they deserved in that case? Because they were promised something far better, right? We're going to get a championship in the future. We're going to have a parade down Broad Street. Now, whether that actually is the case or not remains to be seen. But the idea behind it remains true. That if we are promised something far better in the future, then we don't have to get what we deserve in the present, or we can give it up more freely in the present. As Christians, we're promised something far better than a championship, and the promise is far more secure than the 76ers trust the process. Because Christ has already won his way into paradise, we know with confidence we will be with him one day, just as this thief was the moment he died. I wonder how, after Jesus promised this to the thief, how it changed him. Because he was still going through the same thing, still on a cross, still suffering. Uh, eventually we know he got his legs broken. And yet I have to think he com- it completely changed how he viewed those last hours of his life. That though he was suffering, he knew, but paradise is coming. That, that maybe even in the midst of his suffering at times, he thought about how undeserving he was of what's about to be there and smiled. Like it had to change how this thief endured the rest of those hours. As Christians, when that feeling wells up inside of us, I deserve better. We can not only say, no, I don't, I deserve worse, but also say, I actually am going to get far better. And I think of how might that change that us? What if when I didn't get the recognition or you didn't get the recognition and honor you felt like you deserved, we could say, I'm going to get far more honor than I ever deserve one day when I'm with Christ. What if when we didn't get the position we think we earned, we could say, my position is even now with Christ in heaven and I'm going to enjoy that fully one day. Uh, what if when you and I didn't get the praise we thought we deserved, we could say, that's okay. Uh, God's approval of me in Christ is far better than what I deserve. What, what if when you and I didn't get the life that we think we deserve, we, we could say, Christ is enough and I'm going to be with him one day and that's going to be far better. A- and what if when we don't get the 2020 that we think we deserve, we would be able to say, that's Okay. I've got an eternity of 2020s coming that are going to be far, 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 far better. Might that not change how we respond when we don't get what we deserve here and now? The the cross has tremendous power to transform how we think and feel about what we deserve. Uh, I wonder how many of you saw this story the past week about the, the little boy uh, who stepped in front of his sister to take on a dog atta- attack. Uh, this is Bridger Walker. Uh, Bridger's six years old. Uh, and Bridger's family was out last week, uh, last weekend walking when a one-year-old German shepherd uh, charged at his sister, who's four years old. And, and that German shepherd was about to attack his sister uh, when Bridger stepped in front of her and as a result, uh, the dog jumped onto Bridger, uh, latched onto his cheek, and bit him. And Bridger had to get, uh, I think, like two hours of surgery and 90 stitches to fix, fix up his cheek. But, but the best part of it is later on his dad asked his son, Bridger, why, why did you step in front of 
your sister like that? Why did you do that when you knew the dog was coming? And this is, this is Bridger's words. If someone had to die, I thought it should be me. The gospel is Jesus saying, if someone had to get condemnation and judgment, even though I don't deserve it, and we do, I thought it should be me. Uh, we will forget, forget that story about Bridger very soon. His sister will never forget that story because she'll hear it over and over again until she probably gets sick of it and it'll shape how she feels and thinks about her older brother. We've got a story that tells us the one who deserved far better took on the far worse that we deserve so that we could have the promise of far better. And every time we tell ourselves that story, it should shape how we think and feel when that feeling wells up inside us, I deserve better. It should lead us to follow Christ by prioritizing sacrificial love over getting what we deserve. It should lead us to see anything less than judgment and condemnation as a gift Jesus died to give us. And it should lead us to say, because I've got the promise of far better with Christ, I don't have to get everything I deserve here and now. Because the one who deserved far better gave himself up for us who deserve far worse. Let's pray. Father, when we look at the cross, we are confronted with how great your mercy is. We're confronted, Jesus, with how great your love is, that in a moment where you had to choose between saving yourself and coming down on the, off that cross and showing everyone how wrong they were, you chose to stay put silently in order to save us. What mercy, what love, help that hit home to us. And yet we're also confronted when we look at the cross with what we deserve, that we deserve the punishment, the judgment that Christ took on himself, that we deserve that, and that anything less in this life is a tremendous gift. And God, because of the cross, help us to look not just in the present, but in the future and see we're going to get far better because of Christ. And I pray that as we look out at that, it would change, shape, transform how I live right now every time that feeling wells up says I deserve better. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.